Right now, though, join us on Facebook Live if you possibly can, because we're back to square one, and I start calling him our Cyclone correspondent again. Hello, Steve Vines. <laughs> yes, I, I'm, I'm here in Cyclone, all safe. Jolly we're good. down. Well done. Awesome. We're, 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 we're secure or whatever. I'm thinking of another cliche, but they, they, they cease to flow. So listen up. I want to ask you something about COVID, first of all. Promise we're going to move on. People are saying that first time everybody was told, stay in, this, that and the other. They're very diligent. And it's not necessarily going to be so easy this time because people got a bit frayed. They got a bit of COVID fatigue and they're like, I've got this. What do you reckon? Well, I mean, I think it's not been helped by the chief executive in name only, the Sino and her friends, doing what they always do when something bad happens. They go into a blue funk and they, 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 they introduce measures which people see as illogical. What, six to I five? Mean, if there has been a, a discovery in Hong Kong that COVID only breaks out after 6pm, that's quite a breakthrough in science. So people are saying, how come I can eat lunch in a restaurant and can't eat dinner in a restaurant? You have to give people a sensible reason for doing things. So apparently the only people for whom it is safe to eat collectively after 6pm are our friends in the force. Apparently police canteens are going to be open after 6pm, but that's because of a new scientific breakthrough which tells you that policemen never get infected by COVID, except the ones that do, of course. So you've got this number one bonkers thing. Then they're saying, and we're bringing in a rule, because boy, do they love rules. We're bringing in a rule to make it compulsory to wear a mask on public transport. Yeah. Bless them. You know, they've never been on public transport. Everybody's wearing a mask. (laughs) You know, what they're trying to say now is, oh, we'll bring in a rule to make people do what they're doing. I know dear old Sino Last time she went on on the MTR, somebody had to instruct her in how to use an octopus card to get in because she was so unfamiliar with the system. But, you know, here again, what they hate is that the public itself has the self-discipline to do something. They had it sussed out ages ago. We're going to make a rule. We're going to make this compulsory. That boat has sailed. People have been wearing masks for weeks. This is totally irrelevant. And then you've got this thing, and this is where... They're back at it again. Close down all bars because bars are particularly prone to the spread of the virus. Slurping noodles in a Dong, apparently that's a virus-free experience, so that can go on. But, you know, having a glass of wine or uh, worse, a gin and tonic, yeah. if I may use those words, on a public radio station, um, well, that's definitely going to be a virus spreader. So, you know, you only get confidence in measures if they make sense. If they don't make sense, people are going to go, oh, for goodness sake, what are they out? Well, there's a lot of uh, cartoons doing the rounds, um, Chinese Chinese language cartoons, and it's like two blokes who are like gagging for life and it's 601. Or it's five, you know, it's six five fifty nine or something like that. You know, all of a sudden, it's it's green light virus time because they've just pipped it. I mean, you know, I'm not making light of this. This clearly is a second outbreak of the virus. Yeah, people are getting ill. Lamentably, people will lose their lives over this. But you know, in all of these matters, the question is not does the problem exist. That's been established. We all know there's a problem. It is how do you go about doing something about it? Mm. And you know, the great great thing about Hong Kong 
is that people here responded to the first outbreak, and I'm sure they'll respond to the second one, with sense, good sense and discipline, and, completely unmatched. And skills now, they've practised even, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, if I see another hand wipe, I'm, 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 I'm going to get, no, what's it? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> no, hang on, I'm, that sentence didn't finish and it won't. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, People here do know what to do. The only people who really don't know what to do are the people in, oh, that's right, the people in charge. It's, it's, a, it's a mess. Yeah, the mask thing, I mean, as you say, it seems a bit redundant because everybody's doing it anyway. I mean, I suppose you could ask, well, how come that wasn't one of the ABC's first time it happened? Because cramped spaces, well, etc. Because, 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 you know, it, I mean, this is where you have a bureaucracy which is so detached from the people it's supposed to be governing. I mean, you know, the Sino herself actually never goes out in public because she's scared of the people. Her officials are buzzing around in their hermetically sealed vehicles so they never see what's going on. They actually don't know what's happening in Hong Kong. They really don't. Mm. And the minor officials who presumably are supposed to be briefing them are sitting there going, oh, is it against the national security law to say this, that and the other? I mean, you know, instead of having an open atmosphere in which people will exchange views, will actually tell you where the problems are and how to pro solve them, you've got, uh, you've got this haunting fear that has descended over Hong Kong. And if anybody is going to claim that that's healthy, and while we're at it, do you remember, the reason they brought in the national security law was to end violence, to keep people off the street. Yeah. Well, how come then the main target of the national security law now, apparently, is people voting? Is voting a violent activity? Is going to a poll? On a Saturday. A primary, a <gasps> Oh, no, no. It's worse than that. It was Saturday and mm. Sunday. Don't forget that. That's, that's quite, quite a big factor here. No, but seriously, you know, they don't even pretend now that the reasons given are even vaguely the reasons. You remember the reason given, incidentally, for the introduction of the extradition law was the extreme urgency of sending that chap back to... Taiwan to face justice for the murder of his girlfriend. Yes. Uh, what's happened about that extremely urgent case? He's running around a free man in Hong Kong. That's what's happened about that extremely urgent case. In case people forget that these pretexts just do not stock up, do not stand up to examination. Hmm. I think it is very important to call it out. So at the moment, the main target of the law is people voting. So Excuse me, what is legal under this law? I don't know. Of course, they won't say. They just say, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you when you've done something wrong. There's something I didn't quite get, and that was all of the uh, opinion and jumping up and down, etc., about how bad this, uh, you know, first round kind of selection was, election was, and yet it all came after the event. So if you want to close something down, surely you do it on the days. You don't wait till after and then say this was bad. Yeah, no, I think I think they're getting their excuses in early. But there I it mean, was in what, front of you. If you don't no, no, like no, this, no. yeah. But, but I think what, what 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 you will now see is a round of disqualifications and arrests oh. arising out of this. I mean, the, what it seems to be the case is because they're so scared of facing the people at an election, and they're so concerned that the people simply will not do what they're told to do. 
that they're, they're, they're preparing the ground for mass disqualification of candidates. I mean, I'm very fearful that the September election will be an enormous farce in which nobody will be disqualified, of course, from the pro-government camp. Oh, and incidentally, they have a primary. The difference between the primary for pro-China candidates and pro-democracy candidates is that that primary is held in Western, in the offices of the Central Liaison Office, who dictate to the pro-China camp who can run and who can't run. That is even more um, draconian as a primary than anything that the Democrats are doing. Mm -hmm. And I haven't heard that mentioned. I mean, it's, it's, it's the most poorly kept secret in Hong Kong that selection of pro-China candidates is entirely in the hands of the liaison office. If you want to stand um, as a candidate for the pro-China camp, you have to be endorsed by the liaison office. If you're not, you ain't going to get a run. Let's go to our uh, morning brew feed here. I've got a cracker here from Tom, Steve. Um, I can only read it as he writes it. He said, Tom said, could this be a taste of things to come? I was relaxing in one chai, sitting out yesterday when I was approached by a young police officer who asked me to produce my ID card. I've been a PR for over 14 years. He said, when I asked if I had done anything suspicious or was I being arrested, he promptly told me to F off British pig, quote, unquote. You can read this on there if you don't believe me. And then moved on to the next person in the sitting out area. He says, marvellous. Well, there you go. Thanks, Tom. I mean, you know, and people wonder why the the uh, popularity of the police in Hong Kong is where it is at the moment. Why over two-thirds of people questioned in a recent opinion poll, don't trust the police. Tom, that's your answer. All right, moving on. Join us on Facebook Live if you want to. I know our connection is crummy this morning. I promise you I'm on it. I've, it's, yeah, don't get me going. <laughs> but while, while we're on it, I, I, I have to say, as ever... I love the response to the American, the, the new American Hong Kong Act, which, as you know, um, will ban certain people who are deemed to have undermined Hong Kong's autonomy from entering the United States and will, will freeze their financial assets there. Mr. C.H. Tung, you need to be a worried man. I'll just point that out because, of course, all his children are American and I believe he has quite extensive assets there. But anyway, anyway. That's what happens when you're so confident in the People's Republic of China and you would put your assets in America. But what I love about this is how all these officials are turning into Millwall supporters. You know, the people who stand on the terraces and, 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 and shout, no one likes us and we don't care. I mean, that's basically been the response. They keep saying foreigners don't like us and we don't care. Regina Ip, who wants to be the chief executive, gosh, who knew that? She only says it every day, said yesterday, echoing, of course, her master's voice in Beijing, that the new uh, U.S. legislation was brutal. And then she followed that up by saying, but it won't have any effect. Well, Regina, come on, make your mind up. Is it brutal or will it not have an effect? It can't be both things. It can only be one of those two things. Hmm. So you've got this sort of aggressive determination not to listen to anyone. The rest of the world have gone mad. Only we are sane. We can ignore it. You know, the New York Times closes down some of its operations. Indeed. Here. Ah, that we don't need them. Um, Australia and Canada uh, are the first, but there will be others who say we no longer trust the legal system in Hong Kong. Therefore, we're ending our extradition treaty. Who cares about Canada and Australia? They're adding up. It's adding up, and people 
are just sitting there, closing their ears. They're going, it's not going to affect us. It's not going to affect us. Everything will be fine. This is not aimed at business. But then you look at the evidence from uh, a survey of members of the American Chamber of Commerce here, two-thirds of whom, two-thirds of whom say they are unnerved by the bill. These are people who do business here. So, you know, you can't keep having the evidence that people are worried, that they are thinking of moving or are actually moving, that assets are pouring out of Hong Kong, and at the same time say, oh, it will be business as usual. Business people really accept the stability that this new law will provide. Really? Mm. Let's see some evidence of that. Mm. I mean, it's true. You can com- you can coerce any company you like to place an advertisement in a Hong Kong newspaper saying, I fully support the national security law. Um, you know, in the same way as in authoritarian systems, you can always coerce people to, to express support for the regime in all its many forms. It doesn't affect what actually happens in their hearts and in their pockets. Mm. Why do you think, and we'll see the figures eventually, why do you think that funds are pouring out of Hong Kong? Why do you think people are queuing up at immigration advisory um, uh, offices to see where they can go if they need another passport? Why has there been an upsurge in applications for the, for the BNO? There are reasons for this. It hasn't come out of the ether. Yeah, that was what was something that was on my mind, uh, you know, a few days ago. They're really little things, as you say. But how many little things make a a big thing? Make a big thing. Well, exactly. I mean, exactly. I mean, mean, the problem with this is, is that that we're all sitting here not knowing, actually. And because the law isn't specifically drawn, you know, Carrie Lam tells um, foreign correspondents that they can have perfect press freedom in Hong Kong, as long as they can give a 100% guarantee that they won't bridge the national security law. Well, you you then ask her, in fact, she was asked precisely this, well, what is it that they're likely to bridge? She says, oh, I can't give you all the instances of that. It's far too complicated. So, you know, if you create uncertainty and then people are uncertain, you have no right to be surprised. This is where you are. Um, If you've gone out of the to enclose I'm about to to leave Steve, I'm about to lose Steve there I'm going to sort this out, I'll be back with you very shortly Steve, I'm very sorry to have a a cup of tea It's nine minutes past eleven Steve and I are going to try again as we always do, so try once more if you can to join us on Facebook Live it may just be something on the air, it may just be me, anyway, Steve ha, you're back I am indeed. Ah, oh, that's better. Right. In, in colour. Yeah, we, we... Anyway, look, I'll tell you what, it's all good to chat to you, and thank you so much for your patience. Should we go to some messages from our Facebook page? Why not? So, first of all, uh, some random stuff here. Basically, thanks to Tom for your, for your quite, well, out-of-the-blue one there. Also, I want to say hello to Bright Spark, who says, uh, wear a hat with a plastic shield and go to restaurants and uh, use a straw. He said, the government mask is a floppy disaster. I'm sure you want to come back to that. Actually, mine fell apart yesterday, but there you go. Um, and one that you're going to like from this nine... Is, this is the mask, in case anybody has forgotten that was distributed after everybody in Hong Kong had already sourced masks. The ordinary after ones, not no the panty ones. it was no problem to get hold of one. Yeah. And they finally managed to get hold of some masks 
and then discovered that six million of the masks that they published, sorry, they purchased <laughs> public money, yeah. were duff. Oh. You can't make this stuff up. Oh, well, uh, a bit, I had to bite a hole in mine yesterday to retie it up. But anyway, Nigel <laughs> says, concerning the Lantau project, please... Uh, please know that there is a petition through Greenpeace HK. Let's wind back on that, Steve. Let's talk about the Landau project. OK, before a gremlin got into the uh, technological work, we, we were talking about the fact that most people, myself included, thought that this stark, staring, bonkers scheme mm. to spend squillions of taxpayers' money on land reclamation around Landau to create another mega city, another so-called business hub, had been shelved on grounds of it being, oh, that's right, stark staring bonkers. Yeah. But no, it appears that, that, that right at the last minute, the government tried to sneak through the Finance Committee some funding for um, a preliminary, more preliminary, but they've already got funding for preliminary work, more preliminary work on this project. Hmm. And apparently the reason for that is that they remain very fearful that although they intend to rig the elections in September, that they won't have the kind of easy ride that they have from a combination of expelling elected legislators, remember six were expelled, and the um, backing of the pro-China camp within the body. So, I mean, they, they're like a dog with a bone. You know, you say this project makes no sense. This project will empty Hong Kong's hard-earned coffers. Mm. This project is no substitute for the government's own I inquiry into finding land for housing. Remember, that was, that was um, ignored almost as soon as it was published. Yeah. And they're going ahead with the original scheme that the Sino herself thought was a marvellous scheme. And remember, once the Sino thinks something is a good idea, she does not change her mind. It, you may say it's an admirable characteristic, or you may say it's a bit of a worry. Mm. I thought it had moved house to another location, further out. Well, no. I mean, well, I think most people thought that it had died the, the, the graceful death that it deserved to die. Yeah. But, but it does appear that, that they're still, they still think that despite the fact that they, they launched, I mean, people keep forgetting this stuff, that they launched a massive inquiry into finding land for housing, which made a very detailed report, not a bad report, actually, mm. about how this could be done. They just said, oh, well, yeah, we're not interested in that anymore. We've, we've already got our own little scheme. Well, not so little, actually. We've all got our own scheme, and that will be simpler. And, you know, yes, it will cost absolute fortune, more money than the Hong Kong government has ever spent in decades all at one time. But, hey, we've decided that's the way to go. We're not interested in the complicated business of finding land within Hong Kong, which already exists, because A, it's cheaper, and B, oh my God, it's going to cause work for the bureaucrats, and we know that that's a very bad thing. We don't want so what about this notion that if it doesn't get discussed, it's off the table, uh, LegCo-wise? Well, I think that's the, that's the point. So the, the whole scheme can't possibly go, go through. I mean, LegCo, indeed, um, is, is going to bed, so um, we'll have to wait for the new LegCo after September. So, yes... If, if if there was a substantive motion, it would fall if it hadn't mm. got passed in the current session. This was another one of those interim funding requests yeah. to get the scheme off the ground. But as I say, it demonstrates that it hasn't died the natural death that it should have died.
because why would you ask for funding for, for more preparatory work if you didn't intend to go ahead with the scheme? Or are they really so insane that they just want to do the preparatory work and not the scheme? I mean, that, that defies even more logic. I don't even think the government are quite that mad. But hmm. hey, maybe they are. Yeah. I um, don't know. It's interesting there's Greenpeace um, petition going around about that. I, I have to admit, I hadn't seen that, but I'd be very happy to sign it. Yeah, well, I haven't seen it either. I mean, it's interesting that this particular project keeps coming back. I mean, other ones have been let go, for sure, quietly, maybe. Well, I mean, the, 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 the problem is, is, is the government continues to be fixated by bigger, bigger and bigger they don't understand that incremental is often the way to do the job. Mm. Yes, I know it's a pain in the backside to redevelop brownfield sites because it means getting permission, it means negotiating, it means all these things. Well, I'm sorry, that's your job, mate. You you are the government. You're supposed to do the difficult things as well as the easy things. Mm. I mean, you know, I I, I live in Saikung where they're redeveloping the, the main access road from Saikung to the town, Hiram's Highway. And they had considerable problems um, making the highway, uh, 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 it, it will end up as a four-lane road. I remember it. Do you remember? Tiny. Well, it, well, it still mainly is tiny, actually. It's still mainly a two-lane road. But, you know, there were problems with acquisition and there were very, very considerable physical problems to widening a road which is surrounded by hills on one side and sea on the other. Mm. I understand all of that, but, you know, I'm sorry, that's the job. Difficult things have to be done. I mean, in this case, actually getting on with it. So mm. thank goodness for that. Yeah. Bit slowly, but hey, it's in the way of government. Bit slowly is how they do things. All right, then. I think we've got time for one more, actually, Steve, if, if we last. Well, let's, let's just – there's something that's been running in the bulletins today – which is new light again has been shed on the uh, Yoon Long attack by, by alleged triads on July 21st, which, remember, it took the police 40, or they're now saying 39 minutes to, to be alerted to. But as a result of an investigation by an RTHK program, Hong Kong Connection, yeah. we now discover, and the police have actually confirmed this, that they actually had plainclothes officers among the white-shirted thugs who attacked the people at the station and even though they were there and saw it either they didn't radio in what they were seeing and it wouldn't have been too difficult to see somebody being bludgeoned over the head truncheon i think even an untrained eye would have worked out that was what we call a physical attack yeah yeah they did nothing i mean this whole business of this triad attack in July in Yun Long, mm -hmm. the, the, the level to which it damaged confidence in the police force is, I wouldn't use the word irreparable because nothing is irreparable, but it is very, very deep indeed. And yet, even today, here we are in July, months on, in fact, almost a year on from the attack itself, and we discover they actually had people there who did nothing, who didn't alert the, the other officers to come and, and deal with what was a major criminal event. Absolutely breathtaking. That's amazing. Well, so when, was the, when did the programme come out? Yesterday, apparently. Well, it's all So, been... you know, I mean, there's, there, there was an investigation, obviously, going on. And, and, and the police, to be fair to them, have confirmed they were indeed plainclothes officers who they said were monitoring the event. Well, if you're monitoring a criminal event, 
and the crime takes place, isn't the next step that you tell your colleagues within the force to do something about it? I would have thought that was pretty damn obvious. That is where we really will leave it this week. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you very much for your patience. Take care. We'll do it next week. (laughs) 